1: What is going on, Laker fans? Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Lakers talk tonight. We'll go till 8 o'clock. Um, I feel like I haven't got a chance to talk Lakers basketball on Lakers talk for... Why does it feel like it's been a year and a half? Okay, it's only been about a week and a half. Uh, but that's what the All-Star break does. Obviously, everybody takes a little time off, and then we get ready for these final 23 games. Uh, thank you for being a part of the show. Jovan Buhov, the Athletics going to join me in about a half hour or so and I want to spend some time, you know, I just got some kind of topics that have come out from the All-Star break, topics specifically about the Lakers' final 23 games, their final push. So we got a lot to get into, and uh, let, let, let's let start with that. I, I think there is, I think Laker fans would agree with this, a little optimism here in these final 23 games. Now, maybe I'm just crazy, and maybe I have uh, my Laker sunglasses on, and I'm I'm not paying attention to what the rest of the league is and everything else. But I think there's actually some real optimism over the final 23. And this makes me kind of tie in to a game that the Lakers had right before the all-star break. Lakers took on the Pelicans. Um, No Zion Williamson. Their best player did not play. We have to recognize that. We obviously have to make sure that, uh, that we understand that. Um, And it was a home game and the Lakers won that game by 18, 20 points, whatever it was, Biggest blowout I think they've had since a game against the Orlando Magic back in December, late December, something along those lines. Um, I don't want to fool myself to thinking because the Lakers beat the Pelicans by 18 points, I have a lot to be optimistic about with 23 games left to go. Listen, the Lakers' reality is they are sitting in 13th place in the Western Conference, which I feel like I've been saying that for about the last three months because I probably have been saying that for the last three months. Um, But I I look at the NBA standings. I I get where the Lakers are sitting right now. I get the hill that they have to climb, and I'm not using that Pelicans game as my barometer of why I think the final 23 games the Lakers can have some success. The reason why I have some optimism is because this is a – pretty different team than the squad that the Lakers played through the first 50 plus games of the year this is a different team um, as far as yes LeBron and Anthony Davis are your foundation but everything's kind of changed after that and that's even players that are still on the roster that were there before the trade deadline after the trade deadline their roles are going to change so it's not apples to apples looking at this team the, the the rest of the stretch that's part of my optimism. Let me also say this. I think that the Lakers have kind of found themselves in a position where they dug themselves such a deep hole to start the year. 2-10. and ten. They're still trying to figure out a way to get out of 2-10. and ten and 2-10 and 10 has solidified their spot as a team that's on the outside trying to, you know, obviously looking in, that 2-10 and 10 start still today has its effect on the Los Angeles Lakers. No question about that still has its effect on the Lakers today. Now, let me get into some of the reasons why I'm optimist or uh, why I'm optimistic about what the Lakers have over the Final 23. That, that kind of seeing LeBron, AD, and d for the first time since that trade, remember, uh, right when the trade happened, you could play the Milwaukee Bucks. A lot of the main players didn't play. A lot, all the guys that were traded, um, the Lakers traded for LeBron. I don't need to tell Laker fans missed three games after the trade deadline. He broke the record on a Tuesday um, against the uh, against the Thunder. Lakers lost that game. Then he, for three straight games, had to rest his ankle slash foot, so he didn't get a chance to play with D'Lo and Beasley and some of these other guys, Vanderbilt, Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba only played one game so far for the Lake Show. So I look at this roster right now, and to me, I see some light at the end of the tunnel. However, I don't want to fool myself as well. You know, I don't want to pretend here that everything's going to be um, smooth sailing for the final 23 games. Lakers got a lot of things working against them to try to make one of those playoff spots, but this kind of leads me right into my next point. What needs to happen for the Lakers to make the playoffs? What needs to happen? So I'm going to do my best to just lay out what I think needs to happen for the Lakers to make the postseason. A lot of things got to go their way, Laker fans. It does. And I know you can look at the NBA standings. You can say, oh, come on. They're only a couple games out of that number 10 spot. Um, currently, right now, they're two games out. The Thunder have 29 losses. They're 28-29, Lakers 27-32. and 32. So a three-game cushion in the loss column right now for the Oklahoma City, Thunder, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. You got the Utah Jazz that's also in front of the Lakers. You got the Portland Trailblazers for the Lakers. First out, right out the gate, you need some teams in front of you to start losing some games. I'm not going to talk about anything other than, other than the playing tournament. I, my focus is just wanting to see the Lakers make the playing tournament. I think it's unrealistic to say the Lakers will be a top six seed unless something crazy happens. I don't think that's going to happen, so I'm just looking at the playing tournament. To be honest with you, I'm not even looking at the seven, eight, or the nine. I'm just saying be one of those top ten teams and we'll figure it out from there. Now, if they go on a run and all of a sudden the Lakers right out the all-star break, if they're six and two through the first eight games, maybe then we could have a different conversation, but... I don't want to have that conversation unless I think it's actually realistic or unless they show us something um, to really look optimistic for outside of some of the points that I'm I'm making here on the final 23. So a lot of things got to go their way. Some of these teams that are in front of them need to start losing some games. I know we've said this in the past. Before the season started, I'd have told you that the Oklahoma City Thunder have no interest in making the playoffs. The Utah Jazz have no interest in making the playoffs. The Blazers were also in front of the Lakers. That team's a little bit different. I think Portland, uh, right out the gate, they traded for Jeremy Grant. Um, Anthony Simons is a nice young player. Dame, I don't need to tell you what his credentials are. They're trying to make the postseason. But those other two teams, the Jazz and the Thunder, what I kind of find fascinating about them, why wouldn't they make a playoff run? If you're the Utah Jazz, you got so many draft picks – over these, over the Gobert trade, over the Donovan Mitchell trade. Why not give your fan base something to cheer for? Okay, go make that 10th seed. I think the Utah Jazz are going to go try to make a playoff run. Now they also went out and traded Mike Conley, got some more draft compensation. Um, I also think if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, look, you got Chad Holmgren, who didn't get a, a chance to play this year. Shea Gilgis-Alexander has expressed some frustration with wanting to win. You got Josh Giddey, you has some of these young players, Why not go give your city, the Oklahoma City Thunder, something to cheer for, even if it's just a playing tournament? you got absolutely nothing to lose if you're the Jazz and the Thunder. It's just icing on the cake for both of those franchises. The point that I'm trying to make is I don't think the Thunder, the Jazz, or the Portland Trailblazers, none of the teams in front of the Lakers are just going to cruise, sit back, and say we have no interest in making the playoffs. I think all those teams have enough picks where it's okay. Let's go try to get to the postseason. The things that are going to be the most important for the Lakers that – only they can control is how the Lakers perform in the final 23. If they're going to make the playoffs, I think right out the gate, LeBron James and Anthony Davis both got to play 20 of these 23 games. Um, Bron missed three games in a row. Hopefully there was some rest over the All-Star break that's advantageous to LeBron James, but you guys have seen how the Lakers play and what they look like when LeBron James is not there. And you've also seen the Lakers play without LeBron. And even if Anthony Davis is in the lineup, you got about a 60, 70% chance you're going to lose that game. That's just kind of how the Lakers over the years have performed when LeBron's not in the lineup. So, right out the gate, before we even talk about performance, LeBron's going to have to play 20 of these games. Anthony Davis is going to have to play 20 of these games. I think health is going to have a lot to do with you know what happens for the Lakers the rest of the way. And you heard LeBron some of those quotes. He had some you know interesting quotes uh, before the All Star game talking about the most twenty the most important twenty three games of the regular season in his career. I'll get a I'll get into a little bit of that um, in a little bit, but. I don't really have to kind of explain to you, and LeBron was saying as well, that he just wants to be healthy over this final stretch. I don't think I have to explain to Laker fans. If LeBron plays 15 of the final 23, you're probably not making the playoffs. If AD plays 15 of the final 23 and misses eight games, probably not making the playoffs. So I'm going to put that as my um, the most important thing that I'd look at as LeBron and AD are available to make the postseason. Okay, here's the other thing that has to go the Lakers' way if they're going to make the playoffs need to look like a team. And I think that, you know, it's the it's the smallest sample size you could possibly have. One game. That's what the Lakers sample size is with LeBron, Anthony Davis, D'Lo, Beasley and the rest of the guys. All these guys they got at the at the trade deadline. Um you got to play good team basketball and you have to do it without any experience together. That's a challenge. I thought it was, you know, a little bit earlier today, uh myself, Clinton Yates were talking um Kind of where the Lakers are going to be playoff-wise. I thought Yates made a good point about the just the continuity. That look at the top four teams in the NBA NBA right now, the Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. You know what they have in common? That roster has been together for a while. That doesn't mean you don't have some pieces that kind of come and go, but for the most part, you know exactly what that team looks like. They're one and two in the Eastern Conference. Okay, in the West, Denver and Memphis, one and two in the uh, um, in the in the Western Conference. Denver certainly have played a lot of games together, trying to incorporate Jamal Murray back, Michael Porter, all these other guys, and the Memphis Grizzlies. Now you're going to have some injuries. John Morant missed some time. But for the most part, what the four top teams have in common, they've played a lot of games together. So the challenge that the Lakers are going to have is you got a lot of guys that you're going to mix in over this final stretch that have not played together. That's just the reality of it, right? So um, health – LeBron and AD got to be there. And then you have to have a team that's able to figure it out on the fly. Um, that last game before the break, the starting lineup was D'Lo, Malik Beasley, LeBron James, Jared Vanderbilt, Anthony Davis. That's the first time those five have ever played together. Okay, You're going to need to have a stretch where they play 10 straight games together to kind of gain some continuity. But at the same time, you also got to win games in the process because you are not in a position where um, you can let some games go. They just don't have, that, uh, they don't have that margin for error. They don't have that luxury when it comes to where they're sitting at right now. So health instantly starting to click. Um, that's going to be obviously a, a big part of this. And then the last thing I want to make sure that I point out Uh, By the way, with the roster, it's not even just the new guys that came in. It's Dennis Schroeder being comfortable coming off the bench. It's Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker. It's Wenyon. It's Mo Bamba. All these other guys, too, got to embrace their role. Rui, wherever these guys are asked to go, they're going to have to kind of flourish in their own roles. Now, they don't have to come out every night and drop 15 or 20, but they got to be role players. They got to be comfortable with those roles. Um, The last thing that I do want to mention as well is, is you look at this Lakers roster and to make the playoffs, you need all these things to go your way. The the last thing I think is important as well, I think Darvin Ham has to be excellent at the end of games, and he has not been excellent at the end of the game so far. Now maybe this lineup's going to help. Maybe this lineup he's going to be able to also gain some continuity, know what guys he wants to close, know what guys he wants in there at right times and all that other stuff. But Darvin Ham also, as a coach and a coaching staff, has to be really good at the end of games. That's how the Lakers make the playoffs. And I think if one of those things don't go right, you probably don't make the postseason. You're probably not one of the top 10 teams in the NBA. It's a lot to ask for. I think they could actually do it. To be honest with you, I think, you know, I I was trying to play out actual numbers here, which is, you know, we'll sit here banging our head, but... 13 and 10 the rest of the way I think is realistic. Problem is I don't I don't know if that gets you in the playing tournament. If you're 13 and 10 that means you're two games below 500. Okay. 14 and 9. If you're 14 and 9 the rest of the way, that means um you're 500. Does 500 get you in probably get you into one of those top 10 spots. So the Lakers got challenges in front of them, but I got to be honest with you, I'm not trying to you know, I'm not trying to BS you when I say this. I'm actually excited about the final 23 games. It's a different roster than we've seen all year, so I think there is some reason for optimism. That's just my own personal opinion there. Now, if they come out and the first seven games, eight games from the All Star break, they're four and four, it just can't happen. They just don't, you have to play, um, you definitely have to play a few games above 500 the rest of the way. Every 10 games, you got to go six and four, let's call it in order for the Lakers to give themselves some kind of a shot. Um, All right, uh, when we come back, i I got a couple things that I want to get into here. Lakers got some heavy hitters right out the gate. And I want to spend a little time talking about what other teams, how they're going to perceive the Lakers over this final stretch. And then LeBron's quotes over the weekend as well. I thought he had some interesting quotes. The most important, 23 games of his regular season career. Again, all that coming up next day right here. Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN.
0: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
1: All right, Lakers uh, back in action tomorrow. Lakers taking on the Golden State Warriors. Matt, have you looked at this schedule the heck is going on here? Every team that the Lakers got coming up, I, I'm not going to say are in front of the Lakers because every team in the Western Conference is in front of the Lakers other than the Houston Rockets and the San Antonio Spurs, but all these teams got something to play for. Every single team that the Lakers got coming up, they truly, truly have something to play for. Let me just kind of give everybody an idea um, some of the teams that the Lakers are facing, kind of where they are in the standings and how significant these games are to them. So, Right out the gate, you got the Golden State Warriors coming up tomorrow. Okay, we already kind of know the story there. The Warriors, 500 team right now. uh, Each one of these games matters. If the Warriors lose a couple games in a row, they'll be in the 11th spot. So there's obviously significance for the Golden State Warriors for the game tomorrow. Lakers actually got them twice over the next couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I don't know when Steph Curry's coming back or when he's supposed to come back. But they might, maybe, just be able to avoid Steph Curry. I'm gonna actually read this here. Um, Remain sidelined. First game of the All-Star. He probably ends up coming back at some point uh, at that that second matchup that the Lakers will have against the Warriors. So you got the Golden State Warriors. Okay. Then you got a three-game road trip for the Lakers at Dallas, who are fighting to stay within those top six seeds, at Memphis who's sitting in the number two spot, and because it's the Los Angeles Lakers, they'll be ready to go. Remember the last game that the Lakers had, it was here at Crypto against Memphis, and Lakers won that game, so you know Memphis wants some payback. And then you got at the Oklahoma City Thunder, which seems like this... I don't know why the Thunder are such a difficult matchup for the Lakers. Oh, I I know why. They're young. They're athletic. They got nothing to lose. They all seem to hit every one of their shots uh, when they play the Lakers. Then you got Minnesota in front of the Lakers. You got the Warriors again. You got Memphis again. Um, And then I'm not actually even going to underplay this. Toronto and New York, two teams that are going to be here at crypto, but they're in playoff position. And then the Pelicans again on the road. Um, Every single game the Lakers play is against teams that have something to play for. They got something to play for. They have, um, you know, however you want to look at it, but – they 100% have um, skin in the game. And it might be for seeding purposes. It might be for a chance to be top six. It might be for a chance to just stay in the playing tournament. It might be a chance to have a home game in the playing tournament. Every single team does. And I always kind of find it interesting. When the Lakers go up against uh, some of these teams, in, uh, especially in the Western Conference, look, the game means something to them. It's not your regular game when – the Golden State Warriors play the Lakers. It's not the same when they play the you know, the Sacramento Kings or it's not the same when they play the San Antonio Spurs. It's just not. And that's the same case with the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a case with teams that either it's an actual rival of the Lakers or there's no association to it. Teams like going up against the Lakers. Their fan base comes out. It means something to them. Um, and that's going to be part of the challenge that these – Laker, uh, this Laker roster has in front of them. So, uh, just keep that one in mind. Okay. I, I thought some interesting quotes came out of the, uh, all-star weekend LBJ LeBron. Um, I'm gonna read off quote here and then, uh, uh, I'll just react a little bit to it. What I, what I, at least what I thought or what my initial, um, response was when I read the quote. LeBron said, it's 23 of the most important games of my career for a regular season. It's the type of mindset that I have, and I hope the guys will have coming back off the break. I don't know if LeBron saying it's the 23 of the most important games of my career for a regular season. I don't know if that's LeBron trying to just tell us, media, fans. I don't know if it's um, LeBron just trying to tell himself that, hey, this is how important these games are. Or I don't know if it's LeBron using the media and that microphone to go tell that locker room that has a number of different guys, new role players, has Anthony Davis in that locker room as well. Fellas, got to make the freaking playoffs. Uh, You know, that quote at the end here, and I hope the guys will have, uh, he's talking about the mindset uh, coming off the break. So I think it's probably a little bit of a message to everybody. You know, when I first read the quote, I thought it was a little dramatic. I'm like, come on, Ron. What do you mean it's the 23 most important regular season games of your career? You played in Cleveland. For, you know, your first stint and everybody knows how important it was for you being from Akron, Ohio to represent Cleveland. You go to Miami and there's all the pressure that comes with playing with the Miami Heat because you have the big three. You got the the Heatles, as they call them, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh and LeBron James. You better win. Right. You had that that uh, pressure there. Then you go back to Cleveland, and there's the pressure of wanting to win an NBA championship there. Then you come to the Lakers, a franchise that missed the playoffs five years in a row and then missed the playoffs in your first year here, and I'm talking about Bron, six years in a row. And the expectations that comes with just playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. Are these really the 23 most important games of your career in the regular season? Um, After I kind of gave it some thought, I actually kind of see where he's coming from. I see where he's coming from because all the other stops that he's had in his career, it wasn't really about making the playoffs. It's about competing for a championship. It was about, can I bring a championship to Cleveland? It was, well, I got to win in Miami because I'm playing with these squads. It was, okay, I'm coming back to Cleveland. Can I get them their first chip? And he did. For the Lakers, when he came to the Lakers, it wasn't about making the playoffs. So the regular season just didn't have as much importance to it. It had importance, don't get me wrong, but I see what he's saying here. What he's saying is we got 23 games to make the playoffs. If Lakers don't make the playoffs again this year, that's three out of five years Braun has been here. We haven't made the postseason. They didn't make it last year. Last year they won 33 games. So I, I, I get the angle. Let's put it that way. I like. I, I understand the angle that LeBron James has when it comes to this. It's not as crazy as I thought when I first read it. I I kind of see where he's coming from. Um, Braun also had a uh, a quote here that I think was and just kind of I'm going to give you how my brain operates right now with the Lakers. He says I want to make a push to make the playoffs. He went on to say I'm skipping some part of it. I'm more passionate about trying to make the postseason and giving ourselves a chance to compete for another Larry O'Brien trophy. That's just who I am. That's uh, what I'm cut from. When I hear the word Larry O'Brien trophy, I cannot tell you how how kind of distanced I am mentally from the Lakers competing for a championship. I, I am in the mode. I think there's, you know, there, there's. Um, you were trying to get to the all-star break, and will you be somewhere near 500? The answer was no. They're five games below 500. And now that we get into these final 23 games, I'll tell you where my mind is personally for the Lakers. How many of these 23 is it going to take to get into that number 10 spot? And then if you get to that number 10 spot, then you figure out, okay, which two teams do we have to beat in a row to get a chance to just make the playoffs? And then if you just made the playoffs, are you going to play Denver? Are you going to play Memphis? How do you match up against those two teams there's so many different layers before even saying the Lakers to compete for an NBA championship. I, I cannot mentally put that into my brain right now simply because uh, where the Lakers are sitting. It's not realistic unless they make it start looking more realistic. So it's not a conversation for me to have. I think for Laker fans out there, you know, everyone, I think for the most part, would agree with this. Um, if they can make the playoffs, well, that means they had to play some good basketball down the stretch against good teams. So if they can make the playoffs, that means they took out some good quality teams and are playing good basketball at the right time. If they can make the playoffs, then it would tell you that they could potentially hang with any squad that's out there because they had dug themselves such a hole that the only way for them to get out of it is they obviously had to have uh, a good uh, good stretch there over the 23 games. But when I look at to compete for a Larry O'Brien trophy, I truly, truly can't even process what that means because I think they are so far. There's so many things in front of them that they have to get through just to make the playoffs that even worrying about that right now uh, just seems like such a distant of a conversation. And the last quote that I want to read from LeBron, um, he's talking about his age and I think this one is interesting. I hope I can figure out a way to just make sure that I'm available on the floor every single night for these 23 games to give us a chance, give our group a chance to be able to compete every night, give ourselves a chance to win every night so we can give ourselves a chance to get in the postseason. That goes back to you know, one of the most important things for me was um, his health, the way he missed three games right before the All-Star break in the Lakers already in kind of a dire situation. That was one of the most worrisome stuff to to kind of evaluate in the Lakers season so far is the wear and tear that LeBron has gone through uh for the Lakers, the wear and tear with Anthony Davis out. Is it catching up to him? The mileage, everything else that comes with it, hopefully the answer is no, but we'll just have to uh, have to wait and see. Okay, Yovan Buhov, the Athletic, he's coming up next. Stay right here. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. This is Lakers Talk on seven ten ESPN.
0: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All
1: right, welcome back to Lakers Talk. I want to welcome in uh, Yovan Buha, covers the Lakers and the NBA for the Athletic. Uh, Yovan, hopefully you've enjoyed the all-star break. But that's it. The uh, you know the the kicking back and relaxing is over, Yovan. We we got to get back to work here.
2: <laughs> we do. We do.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's funny because you know this is now the time, and and the Lakers' predicament is most interesting because twenty three games left. They, they got. I kind of listed out when I started the show. I talked about all the different things that have to happen for the Lakers to make the playoffs, and I uh, you know you tell me if if you agree with this, but. Braun and AD probably got to play 20 games each. Um, all these guys have to click, even though it's a lot of new players, but they don't really have – you don't have time to gel. You just have to throw it all together and hopefully the, you know, it works out. And then on top of that, I think Darvin Ham and the coaching staff has got to be excellent over these, especially at the end-of-game situations. Um, for the Lakers to make the playoffs, can you just kind of – Give me an idea, paint me the vision that you need to see in order for the Lakers to be part of these top 10 teams. Yes, that would be the playing tournament and then we'll 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 take our chances from there.
2: Yeah, well, I I definitely agree with you in, in that, you know, health is is first and foremost the the thing that's going to determine I think the, the rest of the Lakers season, right? Like if, if LeBron and AD are not available and healthy and able to play Uh, You know, anywhere from, I would say, I mean, 20 games, like, I think that would be great. I I would even set the bar a little lower. Uh, I might even say something like 16, 17. Uh, You know, I also think it's going to matter what games they play. Uh, They they got a couple against Golden State. Uh, They have a couple against Minnesota, a couple against Oklahoma City. So, like, Mm. those games in particular are going to be very important and I I think play a big part in – determining, you know, where the Lakers ultimately uh, find themselves in the standings. But uh, I, I think it's really the health of LeBron and AD. I, I think if those two guys can play at least 16, 17 of these final 23 games, they should win at a high enough clip to get in. Uh, but, you know, to, to your point, I think continuity is important. Darvin Ham spoke about that today at, at practice and saying he wants to keep this starting lineup uh, you know going for the rest of the season. Uh, Wants to kind of see what they can do together and and wants to kind of stop uh, switching lineups in and out. As we know, the Lakers have had, you know, 30 starting lineups, which is the most in the NBA this season. So, yeah, so I think really it's it's establishing continuity with the new guys and, and kind of figuring out where those guys fit in the mix. And then also, you know, making sure LeBron and AD are healthy. But I think the other kind of part of that, though, is, is as you're strategizing with LeBron and AD and, and how to kind of manage them, Like, you also don't want to overwork them because I think that's where you know, over the past couple of years we've seen at times where I think it kind of there's a cumulative effect where it adds up for LeBron and AD. And you'll see sometimes when they suffer a, a random injury in a game, the previous 8, 10 games, they were playing 36, 38, 40 minutes kind of consecutively um, you know, when LeBron had this recent stretch where he just missed three games, he had just logged a couple of 40-minute uh, games uh, due to overtime. But but still, I think that stuff kind of adds up. So you want to find that balance of having those guys available but also not overtaxing them as you're trying to make up this deficit.
1: So, Jovan, it's interesting you say that because the last game the Lakers played against the Pelicans – uh, Braun only played 29 minutes, which is, you know, for every Laker fan out there, it's like, oh, my gosh, you feel like 29. I don't remember doing a postgame show, and I'm sure for you as well, where Bron has played such limited minutes. Anthony Davis played 30. I just want to go back to what you just said, that you think it's more realistic that they probably play around 16 games. And, Yovan, you know this team more than anybody else. How do you make the playoffs if they played 16 of 23 games? That's seven games they don't play. Um, I think it's safe to say they'll lose more games than they win in those games. That I'm trying to figure out the recipe here where you're playing teams that every one of these games matters to them as well. They're fighting for NBA standings or maybe trying to be top six or maybe just trying to be in the playing tournament and get a home game, something along those lines. That, that – I don't know if the math works out if they played – and I know you and I are just throwing out numbers here. But if they played – if they missed seven games each hypothetically, man, is there enough games to make up that ground?
2: It's a fair counterpoint. And to be clear, I'm not advocating that that they rest or, or sit out. Um, I'm just saying kind of based on the track record, sure. it's hard to say. Uh, you know, those guys play 20 out of 23 games. Like we, we've already seen – Le- LeBron rests on, uh, you know, several back-to-backs this season. Uh, AD, of course, has, you know, his, uh, you know, well-established injury track record. So I, I just think it's, you know, m- maybe it's 18, 19. Like, I-, I don't know know the specific number. Like, I would just say, I think 16 is, is probably the minimum for-, for them to get in. Um, but it's also kind of where I'd put the bar just because I, I-, I think, um, again, like, I-, I don't know if you can count on, you know, each of those guys playing 20 games. Now, I think there's also a way, you know, you can kind of look at it one of two ways where you can try and stagger that where, um, you know, okay, maybe AD sits out one side of a back-to-back, LeBron sits out the other, mm-hmm. or you try to maximize it and just say, hey, like, we're going to try and go like, you know, 16-2 uh, and two in the 18 games that those guys play. And the other five games, like, you know, maybe we can steal one or two. D'Lo has a big game. Malik has a big game, so something like that. Uh, and you just kind of get lucky. Because I think it's it's going to come down to a lot of strategy, in my opinion, of just when they're resting certain guys and, and how they're attacking it. Uh, you also don't want to offend the basketball gods. Uh, I believe in that. So I don't think, you know, you see Houston on the schedule and you're like, oh, let's just sit out LeBron and AD. Like, you got to find the balance there. But, um, you know, they have a relatively easy schedule. Uh, they, they have one of the ten easiest schedules remaining. So I think if they can kind of strike that balance of – um, figuring out the, the, the optimal way to uh, use these. Like, I really think, you know, to your point on the 29 minutes, like if, if you can have more games like that, maybe LeBron is able to play you know, 20, 21 games down the stretch. Like, you, you know, I think the thing I was most encouraged by in that New Orleans game was New Orleans made several runs. And I, I know they kind of had an off night, you know, there was no Zion, but they made several runs that I think the previous version of the leakers would have caved. And, and we saw that script, Many times before, where the Lakers had a double-digit lead or, or just you know a, a sizable lead late in a game, and the team made a run, and the Lakers rolled over and, and didn't punch back. And in that New Orleans game, they punched back several times and, and really put the the game away late in that third quarter. So to me, that that was an encouraging sign. I know it's only one game, but if they can have more performances like that, and you can limit the, the workload and minutes of LeBron and AD, you know, perhaps they can play. 19, 20, 21 games moving forward. But I think, you know, if, I, if I'm setting the the line, if I'm Vegas, I am looking at 16, 17 games as probably a more realistic number.
1: Jovan Bua covers the uh, Lakers and the NBA for the Athletic, taking some time to join us here on Lakers Talk. Jovan, um, you know, I, I kind of – there was so much chatter and conversation before the deadline. What's this roster going to look like? Are they able to make a trade? Are they not able to make a trade? They obviously made um, a number of trades. Add in Rui as well. What, what's your take on the roster right now, as it's constructed? What are some areas? Uh, do you feel optimistic over these final twenty-three games? Just your overall thoughts on the way this uh, this roster is put together right now?
2: Yeah, well, I think the roster just makes a lot more sense. You know, I, I think from a, a positional standpoint that there's a clear hierarchy. You know, like right now it's eighty at the five. Jared Vanderbilt at the four, who I think I think Jared Vanderbilt might end up being the real prize of that trade. Yeah. I, I know D'Angelo, you know, I, I think is, is looked good so far in his, his first two games, and I, I think his fit as a pick and roll guy and, and as a shooter and and just a, another lead ball handler type. But Jared Vanderbilt, what he's able to do defensively, the, the performance he had against Brandon Ingram, um, just is, is you know his rebounding, his size, his athleticism, like that is the type of forward. That the Lakers needed from a physicality standpoint and I just think his versatility to defend multiple positions um, and and still hold his own in the paint and and, you know block shots get steals deflections like all that stuff like that is the type of guy that you know a lot of these contenders have have multiple of those types and the Lakers didn't really have one other than LeBron and AD but you you know you're you're asking them to, to carry the offense so I think to, to add a guy like that who, who can just do so much defensively, uh, but then you go down the list, you know, LeBron at the three, Malik Beasley, an elite shooter at the two, D'Angelo. And then I really like that bench group uh, of Dennis, Austin, uh, Troy, Rui, and, and Mo Bamba. And, and you still have a Lonnie Walker who you could throw in there if you need some more offense. Um, and, and, you know, Wendy and Gabriel who uh, can give you some good energy off the bench. And uh, so I, I think, you know, they have, really 12 guys who you can make a case are rotation players. And and that's just something that they didn't have. Like, um, you know, we we can discuss Russell Westbrook and and his fit and all that stuff. But, like, ultimately they flipped him into three players who are now starting for them. Like, Mm -hmm. they they turned their six man into three starters and three guys who really fit three specific needs that they've needed all season. So, uh, you know, I, I think adding an elite shooter, adding that kind of utility forward, and adding another good pick-and-roll guy who, who can shoot and play on and off the ball in, in Like Those are just three needs that the Lakers really you know had to kind of find around LeBron and AD. So adding the roster makes a lot more sense. The biggest thing working against them is time, as we've kind of been discussing, like 23 games. It's not a lot to, to find that you know cohesion to, to gel. But um, I do think the good thing with this roster, too, is, is as Rob Polinka said, You know, pre-agency, this is a group that they can keep together next season. Uh, They can keep some of the pieces, most of the pieces. They can, uh, you know, let everybody walk in free agency and chase after a star like Kyrie Irving or, or, you know, whoever else becomes available. Um, So I I think it it really – there's a lot of different ways they can go. But I also think, you know, on them I'm looking at it like we can finally have continuity with a roster for the first time. Arguably in the LeBron AD era, and really going to next season with this group. So uh, a lot of these guys are, are under 27. Like I just think you know Rob Link in the front office did a brilliant job at the trade deadline, and you know so far it, it's looked pretty good. Um, you know not, not the Portland game, but with Golden State and New Orleans, I, I think that they're obviously trending in the right direction.
1: All right, Yovan, we'll see uh, what the Lakers can do starting tomorrow. Appreciate your time, and uh, I'll see you at the game tomorrow, right, bud.
2: Yes, sir, man. It's a big one.
1: Yes, sir. Absolutely. They all are from here. So that's Yovan Buha. Interesting point. I, I never even thought of it, uh, Thought about it that way, that the Lakers traded a six-man for three starters. They did. Russell Westbrook um, was traded for three players that the Lakers have now inserted into their starting lineup, uh, and that's going to be the starting lineup for the Lakers tomorrow as well. Um, okay, uh, final thoughts when we come back. Russell Westbrook is a Los Angeles Clipper. I want to spend a little time on that. Patrick Beverly running his mouth about the Lakers which is no surprise Uh, stay right here this is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN
0: hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All
1: right. Uh, thank you to Yovan Buha, the athletic. Uh, always appreciate him taking the time here and joining the show. Always great insight. So it's always a, a great conversation with him. Um, how many games the Lakers got to win here? I do the math here. How many games? 13 enough? 13 and 10. Is that enough? Get in the playing tournament. Uh, I don't think so. I think that's just going to be on the outside looking in. Probably fourteen and nine puts you at five hundred. That's probably going to have to be the number for the Lakers. And um, you know I've said this before. No, no need to sugarcoat any of this stuff. It's going to be tough for the Lakers. It's certainly going to be tough for them to get in. And if they get in, they might be dangerous. But uh, I'm not even going to go that far. I just right now just want to see them in that top ten. Okay, All Star festivities. I'll spend 13 seconds on this because I'm just not – I think the over the last 10 years or so, every single year, I'm getting less and less interested in the All-Star game. Um, everyone's so mad that the All-Star game is not competitive. Everybody's so upset that uh, players aren't trying like it's Game 7 of the uh, NBA championship. I just I don't understand why we do this every single year. They don't care. They don't care. So I I think we have to just accept that moving forward, that it's not a game where there's going to be lockdown defense in the second quarter. There's not a game where they're going to call timeout because they want a defensive adjustment. That's just not what the All-Star game is. And if you're looking for good competitive basketball, don't watch the All-Star game. That's just kind of the reality of the situation. Now, if you want to have some suggestions of what they should do, what they should not, I will tell you as somebody that watched – um and, and let me let me be very clear here. I didn't watch the All-Star game. I just went and watched the highlights. I, I did not have interest in watching the All-Star game. Now, granted, I was out and about, so I wasn't you know just sitting around the TV. I probably would have watched it if I was here in L.A., if I was home, um, but it was not uh, – I, I just didn't have any interest in watching it. I'm going to play the other side of this. LeBron didn't play in the second half. Went up, I think, to go get a block against Pascal uh, Siakam of the Raptors. And his finger got caught on the rim. Something along those lines. Almost kind of jammed his finger there. Can you imagine if Braun or any one of these other players, it doesn't matter, gets injured and they're out two to three weeks or they're out four weeks because of an injury in an All-Star game? Do you know what everybody would be saying? Everybody would be sitting here and saying, well, why the hell is he playing? It's an exhibition game. Why are these guys playing tough? Um, I just can't have it both ways. You can't say... I want it to be more competitive. And then at the same time, if somebody were to get injured, then you're going to say, well, why is he even playing or why is he playing tough? I think we just got to accept it for what it is. It's an exhibition game purely for entertainment purposes. The idea and the concept is not to watch good basketball. If you're looking for good basketball, please do not watch the All-Star tournament. Um, okay, or the All-Star game. So another thing happened over the weekend. couple uh, former Lakers... One uh, Russell Westbrook has gone to a team that I think is very interesting. and the other one, Patrick Beverly. Um, Pat Bev, I'm gonna read off a quote here that Patrick Beverly had. I kind of said this, listen, if you guys remember this was before um, before the uh, trade deadline. I had mentioned, I would not lose sleep if Pat Patrick Beverly was not on the Lakers anymore. I just thought we had too many guards. And to be honest with you, um, you know, I was fine if he ended up going somewhere. Russ, I don't have to give you my opinion on. Russ, every Laker fan was ready to move on, that that trio wasn't going to work and nothing was going to change. Pat Bev on his podcast said, uh, what was it? I think it was yesterday, that what he'd like to do is to knock them out of the playoffs. He's talking about the Lakers. Um, so what Patrick Beverly's goal is moving forward is he wants to make sure that he knocks the Lakers out of the playoffs. They have a game coming up against the Chicago Bulls. Patrick Beverly was picked up by the Chicago Bulls. Bulls, I think, are 11th in the Eastern Conference, something along those lines. And, uh, he picked the Bulls in the buyout market. So Pat Bev's obviously going to have a role in that team. He actually can, you know, potentially help them, whatever the case is. But we got one a former laker that wants to uh, knock the lakers out of a potential spot of the playoffs sounds good sounds very much like patrick beverly all good i'm not losing any sleep over it i think that's patrick beverly that's you know you just kind of accept him for who he is if he's on your team he's trying to win if he's not on your team he hopes you know you, you obviously lose and you go down they play march 29th in chicago so uh, for whatever that means the more interesting news was Russell westbrook Joining the Los Angeles Clippers, um, that to me is kind of fascinating. Now, I, look, I, I don't know how it's going to work out. I, I, I've I've always looked at that Clippers roster and said the team is stacked. On paper, they got so many. They got so much depth on that team. Reggie Jackson, John Wall are not there anymore. Bones Highland they traded for. Er, Erica uh, Gordon they traded for as well at the trade deadline. Also Mason Plumley, But I'm just kind of talking about the guards right now. Is there a spot for Russell Westbrook and can he actually have success with the Clippers? I don't have that answer for you. But I do kind of find it fascinating for someone like myself who just wanted to see Russ off the Lakers and wanted to see a situation and a predicament where the Lakers can move on from Russ and hopefully bring in some players that can help the Lakers this year and beyond. I think the Lakers accomplished that goal. D'Lo, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt. I think the Lakers had a good trade deadline. But Russ... Not leaving L.A. and joining his buddy Paul George, and I'm not sure his relationship with Kawhi Leonard, I'm sure he's got good relationship with some of those players, and joining the Los Angeles Clippers, how weird would it be if Russ joins the Clippers and the Clippers go on a true, real championship run? It can happen. I mean, 100% can happen. And, you know, I spent uh, the last couple of days asking Laker fans more on social. Hey, what do you think? What do you think if he joins the Clippers and he actually has some success? I think it's kind of a fascinating storyline. I don't really know what to do with it. I will tell you that um, if he goes there and all of a sudden has some success, that's a more complete team where he's just setting up PG and he's setting up Kawhi and he's got other shooters around him. I don't know how much opportunity he's going to get. I don't think he's going to play 30 minutes a game. And I don't know how much impact he's going to have, but to see him go from the Lakers, the last year and a half, last year change, I think every Laker fan has been saying, uh, can we try to find a way to trade this guy? Because it's just not working with these other players. And then to just end up with the Los Angeles Clippers, kind of fascinating. I'll be curious, let's put it this way, if the Clippers have a game, I'll tune in because I'm curious to see how that Clippers team does with Russell Westbrook on it. Um, But it is fascinating how things just kind of changed here once the Lakers traded Russ and he ends up uh, with the Los Angeles Clippers. Okay, Laker fans, we are back tomorrow. I'm going to do the show um, in the morning with uh, Clinton Yates again, starting at 10 a.m. And then, uh, again, opportunity to do the Laker game. Obviously looking forward to that. Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. I appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. If you missed any part of the show, you can catch it on the podcast. Just go to ESPN LA um, and download the app there. Thank you to Michael Funches. Thank you to Laura Romo. Thank you to Mario Ruiz. LA, have a great rest of your night.